The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Once again, it's Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. I am Nick Ferguson. Uh, Lotus show for you today. Coming up shortly on the program, Bill Lasky, former pitcher for both the Kansas City Royals and the San Francisco Giants, will join the program later to talk about Game 2 and how the series moves further from this standpoint. Also, later in the program, Jason Romano and longtime Dallas Cowboy fan uh, from ESPN joins the program to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. I'm, as usual, I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Mario Batanzi. Mario, hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I had a great week in sports and a great week uh, overall. What happened? Uh, what were you able to do this weekend for yourself? I know you are newly engaged. Are you still picking out those uh, China patterns and getting yourself prepared for that big wedding day? You know, I still got about 11 months, so I'm, I'm sorry, 10 months, so I don't even know when my own wedding is. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's going well. We're, we're going with the flow. We've got plenty of time. We're way ahead of schedule playing everything. So, uh, yeah, man, too blessed to be stressed right now. Well, you know, talk about being stressed, and we'll talk to Bill Lasky about that. Uh, when San Francisco Giants, Kansas City Royals, we talked about it for the past two weeks on the program about the Kansas City Royals and how great this team is playing baseball. Eight run, eight uh, wins in, in baseball in the playoffs. And I don't want to say that's unheard of, but that is sensational for a team that no one figured that would be at this particular point. They go down 1-0 to San Francisco Giants, but came back, stormed back last night where the seven to win, and we're gonna once again we're gonna talk to Bill Lasky once we get him on the line about that. Uh, Mario, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game, but I was presently impressed with this net Yields team, how they came out against adversity at home, backs against the wall, and they were able to put those string of hits uh, together. When you talk about this team, uh, they play small ball, but uh, the relay, I mean, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball as far as being able to relay a ball from the outfield and get a guy out at home. I mean, one of the best, but once again, I was presently impressed with this team, and I'm shocked. I am really shocked. I didn't think this outcome was going to be what it was against this San Francisco Giants team. What what are your thoughts before we get Bill on the phone? You know, it's it's hard to call a game a must-win game. But if the Royals don't win last night, then the series is over. There's no way they're going back to San Francisco and hanging in there. I mean, if they lose last night, then the, the, the series is basically over. I mean, it's never good to lose the first game either. They're going to have to try and find a way to win in San Francisco, which, as we've seen, has been extremely difficult because, as we've said on the show, the Giants are built to win in San Francisco. So I think it'll be good for the Royals because they're kind of built similarly. Uh, but with the first game, you know, Madison Bumgarner is just in the zone right now. And we'll, we see it typically every year. Um, it, it's a different pitcher. You know, it's one guy that steps up and he's just in the right mindset. He can't be hit. So 
I mean, I, I wasn't honestly expecting the Royals to beat Bumgarner, especially when the Giants put up, you know, three, four runs early. And, you know, the alleged Mr. Big Game James Shields, I, I don't know if he drank the wrong water, woke up at the wrong side of the bed, but and his bullpen and the offense has been bailing him out all postseason. Nick, it might be a good idea to sit him for another start, let him collect his thoughts, maybe even move him to the bullpen because he's been a little bit of a detriment to the team so far. Well, well, right now we'll be, we're joined by uh, Bill Lasky, Comcast Sports Net in San Francisco. He covers uh, the San Francisco Giants, and he's a San Francisco Giants ambassador. You can follow him on Twitter at Lasky19. Bill, thanks for joining the program. Yeah, good morning. How's everybody going today? Everyone's doing well. Uh, speaking of doing well, in San Francisco, I mean, they jump out to a one nothing lead in, in the series. And the first inning, I, I thought it was going to be a repeat uh, of the first game. They take a 2 nothing lead, but Kansas City uh, stormed back. Uh, tell us right now, what's the mood of the San Francisco Giants right now after losing 7-2 to the Kansas City Royals? Well, I don't think there's any kind of frightening uh, aspect here with the Giants there. They went to Kansas City and won one game. They needed to split that. They didn't want to come home 0-2. Now they come home to the National League ballpark. They've won six out of seven post games here. And um, now you're going to play National League baseball. Now Ned Yost has to throw a pitcher in a nine-hole. Billy Butler, the highest, the hottest-hitting uh, hitter for Kansas City Royals, is now in the dugout. So the, the game's going to change. The biggest asset I see is the Kansas City Royals have never played at AT&T Ballpark. The outfield is totally different than what Kansas City has. So it's going to be a different type of game now. It's now it turns into the National League game, and we're going to see if the Kansas City pitchers can do anything at bat. Now, now when we talk about pitching, pitching is a major aspect of any uh, team's, uh, uh, what they're trying to do. When you look at comparison of the bullpens, Madison Bumgarner, we know what he is. He is the ace for the San Francisco Giants. But when you look at the Kansas City Royals and Ned Yost and what they have at their disposal, Wade Davis, Kevin Herrera, and Greg Holland, how do these two pitching staffs actually you know, compare? Who has the better pitching staff, in your opinion? Well, there's no doubt about it. Kansas City has that core three guys in the sixth, seventh, eighth innings, and even ninth inning, as, as uh, they showed yesterday. But I look at the core four that the Giants have, Al Felton Lopez being the left-handers and Romo and Casilla being the right-handers. I believe now you're going to see more of that core four coming in. Uh, the biggest problem right now is in that fifth and sixth inning. They're still trying to piece that out to the, uh, for the Giants. As you saw Machi come in, and then you saw the young kid Hunter Strickland come in yesterday. He only got far as double-A this year, and he's being tested because he throws so hard. Um, you know, lost his composure yesterday. So I really believe the Giants need to try to push Hudson, try to push Vocal Song into that fifth and sixth inning. Hopefully they can get to that sixth and seventh inning where their core four can help. On the other side, you look at the Kansas City Royals bringing Guthrie in uh, tomorrow's game. And uh, he's, you know, Ned Yost looks for that five-inning start from these guys, and then he takes it to his core three. So both bullpens are very good, as we saw yesterday with Kansas City Royals holding off the Giants. Well, if you just joined the program, we're talking to Major League pitcher who played for both the San Francisco Giants and the Kansas City Royals, Bill Lasky. You can find him on Twitter at Lasky19. Uh, last week on the program, we had Trevor Bell, uh, who's a Major League pitcher as well, and we were talking about the fact of what happens when you have a lead or the game is tied like it was in the sixth inning, and as a pitcher, you give up as many runs as, as uh, Hunter Strickland gave up. As a former pitcher yourself, when you have given up five runs in the sixth inning, what does that do to your psyche? But more importantly, how do you overcome that? Well, the biggest thing you're talking about, Hunter Strickland, you know, a very young pitcher, never been tested at the big league level. Uh, the Giants love him because he throws so hard. They've never had a guy throw 98-99 before. And Bruce Bochy is testing him. He's given up five home runs so far in the postseason, and mainly to left-handers. Yesterday you saw him lose his confidence, lose his composure. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Strickland out there in, in close uh, situations anymore. Machi was the guy that was always the middle release. He has struggled the second half. 
you're not going to see anybody freak out here in their bullpen. Their bullpen has been outstanding. It's just getting those starters through the fifth and sixth inning. And as you saw Peavy yesterday, the third time around, he just struggled with Kane, and then he walked Hosmer. Same thing you're going to see with Tim Hudson. You'll probably see him push to try to get the fifth and the sixth inning. Same thing with the Royals. I don't think you're going to see anybody except for Madison Bumgarner from the Giants side that's going to be pushed to go seven. He is their ace. He handled it very well in game one, and his postseason numbers are just off the charts. So it's going to be an interesting run. I don't think you're going to see any damage control here. These guys have pitched all year. I just don't think you're going to see Hunter Strickland in any kind of tight game now. Well, three games in San Francisco, uh, after those three games are over, how do you call it as far as the winners and losses in, in this particular series? Well, it's 1-1, so now you're going to come to the National League ballpark. The Giants, as I said, split in Kansas City. That's what they want to do. The Giants know Kansas City is a very good ball team, as well as Kansas City knowing the Giants are. Now you come to the Giants' home field, and they are very good in the postseason at AT&T. 43,000 fans are now going to be wearing the orange and black. It's going to be a different game, as I said. The National League game is totally different than the American League. You take some punch out of that Royal lineup by not having Billy Butler in there, and then you got a pitcher in the ninth hole. I believe the pendulum now goes back to the Giants' side of coming into AT&T at their home ballpark. If you remember against St. Louis, they split against St. Louis coming into San Francisco, and the magic happened at AT&T where they took the next three games. I don't see a three-game sweep that the Giants can pull two out of three here and take it back into Kansas City, only having to win one out of two. I think the chances go to the NL champions, San Francisco Giants. Well, I know Kansas City is a bunch of, of grinders and scrappers, and uh, coming into the World Series, I did have San Francisco Giants uh, taking it all. I'm still going to stick with that. And when you talk about the differences between the two baseball teams, the leagues, and the fact that Kansas City's now having to play in a ball park that they've never played in that's going to cause some trouble uh, for them as well bill thank you for joining the program i will be glued to the television tomorrow so that was uh bill lasky who uh covers the san francisco giants for comcast Sportsnet in san francisco bill seems to think that it won't be a sweep in the next upcoming three games but i know that kansas city whatever ballpark they're playing in they are tough. They are scrappers and grinders. Like I said, they're going to rely heavily on their defense. And as they show, they have the bats uh, as well. So moving on to NFL news. A very important game this Thursday night. Thursday night football. Short week once again. Division rival between San Francisco. Excuse me, not San Francisco. I got ahead of myself. San Diego Chargers and the Denver Broncos, this is a rivalry, and I know a lot about this rivalry. I played in this game against Phil Rivers on several occasions. He's a tough competitor. And one thing about Phillip Rivers and everything that San Diego was going through right now, they have an ability to overcome adversity. They believe in themselves. And Brandon Oliver has gotten this run game on track, but they lost against Kansas City. And, and the one thing they, they usually do well, they did not do. And that was convert on third down. So, and if they want to beat Denver at home, they're going to have to do that. Run the ball well with Brandon Oliver and also convert on third down. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Jason Romano, a longtime fan of Dallas Cowboys. and see what he thinks about his Lone Star States, the guys in Big D, and can they cross the finish line? You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Back to, back to the show. Uh, Mario, uh, big Thursday night game, as we, I was just saying before we went to the break. A division rival game, Denver Broncos versus the San Diego Chargers. Uh, when I look at this game and this matchup, the, these two teams have a lot of parity between them. You have two quarterbacks. Arguably, one is, is the first battle of the Hall of Famer. The other is going to is starting to make that headway to be in that conversation. And Phillip Rivers is definitely in the conversation for the league MVP. But when you look and break down the offensive parts of this game, you look at the tight end position. You have Antonio Gates, who uh, is in his twilight hour, but still he's able to get it done. And then on the Denver Broncos side, you have Julius Thomas, and then Damaris Thomas, Wes Welker, and then, of course, Emmanuel Sanders seems to be one of Peyton Man's new targets. And then shift over to the Kansas City, not the Kansas City Chiefs, but San Diego Chargers, and you have Eddie Royal, Keenan Allen, Malcolm Floyd. But the, the one thing I say I think is where the, these teams are divided. When you look at the running back position, yes, Ronnie Hillman has made some, had some great plays against San Francisco, but we're talking about a San Francisco defense that's been debilitated by injuries. But when you look at San Diego, it's the same scenario. You know, uh, uh, they lose a the corner and Verrett and Brandon Flowers is probably not going to play because of the concussion he, he sustained trying to tackle Jamal Charles or Jamal Charles gave him running into him. When you break down this game from your particular standpoint, you know, the Chargers, the Chargers, they, they, they scare me just a tad bit. And there is the reason why. They're, they're not afraid of the Denver Broncos. Even with Peyton Manning and his record-setting uh, night breaking Brett Favre's record. Congratulations to him on that. But they're not afraid of the Denver Broncos. Uh, historically, they played this this team pretty well. So to me, when you look at the matchup tonight, are, are you sensing a little hesitation or a little fear on your part of this San Diego Chargers team? Well, here's the thing. Everyone wants to draw back to the game last year because of the Thursday night game in Denver and the Chargers happened to beat the Broncos. But I mean, there are so many mitigating factors that completely cancel out what happened last year. I mean, if you look back to last year, the Broncos pretty much had the division wrapped up. I mean, it was, it was between them and the Chiefs, but the Chiefs had began to sputter a little bit at that time. Broncos pretty much had a clear shot at the number one. They were going to win the division. But then you look at San Diego's side. If San Diego loses that game last year in Denver – then they have zero chance of making the playoffs. I mean, they came in with a completely different mindset. And not to make excuses for this Denver Broncos team, but they were just in completely different places last year. I think this is by far the most important game of the season for both of these teams. So look at what each of these teams is coming off of. The Broncos put an absolute whooping on the San Francisco 49ers, and it wasn't really even as close as the score, Nick. I mean, you leave in Peyton Manning, you you know continue to throw the ball the way that you are, and you buckle down on defense, then, you know, that game isn't 42-7. That game is, you know, 50-something to 10. 
So then you look over to the San Diego Chargers. They had the Chiefs at home. And, again, division games, it's so hard to predict. You can kind of throw analysis out the window. Chiefs went into San Diego and beat them on a last-second field goal. So having to come, I know they did it last year, and I'm going to reiterate it. They have to fly to Denver on a short week. Very difficult to do, especially after a bad loss to the Chiefs. I mean, the Chargers were in first place in the division for the first time in like a year and a half, and it lasted all of, what, two weeks? So, I mean, just the state of mind of these two teams is so different right now. And then you look at the personnel. Ryan Matthews, we know he can't stay healthy, but for some reason, he always brings his A game against the Denver Broncos. You know, in the past, the Broncos have had a very difficult time stopping and slowing down Matthews. Now he is out. Now Donald Brown, who they were, you know, coveting in free agency, he was completely ineffective, and then he got hurt anyway. Danny Woodhead, who in my opinion is a little bit of an X factor, you know, it's a hard guy to game plan for, he's done for the season. So if you're trying to convince me, like a lot of these Chargers fans and even Chiefs fans are doing, that Brandon Oliver, an undrafted rookie, is going to be able to make a difference in this game, then you're on some sort of drugs that I would like to know about because that is a state of inebriation right there. The Broncos' defense compared to last year, I mean, you're seeing a lot of these highlights of Keenan Allen catching touchdown passes, and he was doing it against Mike Adams. So exit Mike Adams, enter T.J. Ward. Who would you rather have? I mean, it's, it's just like it's not fair to compare last year's game to this year's game because the personnel are different, the mindsets are different. And to answer your question directly, Nick, no, I'm not worried about this game whatsoever. The Broncos go out and they play the way that they're supposed to play, then this is not going to be close. Well, I'm a little concerned about this game for the obvious reasons, but I'm going to bring in a guy who's not concerned, Jason Romano. You can find him at Jason Romano on Twitter. 14 years at ESPN, a longtime Dallas Cowboys fan ever since he was five years old, and now he's in charge of ESPN social media. Jason, welcome to the program. Nick, it's good to be with you, my friend. How you been? All right, Jason, let me start off by saying this. Uh... I've known you for a while, and, and occasionally I give you a little uh, crap about Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys. And they even created a hashtag called the Tony Romo Effect. But I have to say, uh, this year I haven't been able to use that. Uh, and, and it's all been due in part into the way that the Dallas Cowboys have run the ball. DeMarcus Murray, DeMarco Murray, excuse me, 128 yards last week against the Giants. And, and I have to ask you, I mean, does it bother you as a Cowboy fan that Everyone is talking about Phillip Rivers and Peyton Manning in his record-setting uh, season as far as being the league MVP and not really talking about DeMarco's, DeMarco Murray, who is the catalyst and why the Dallas Cowboys record is what it is. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all that he's not being sort of talked about. I mean, it's a complete shock as a, a longtime Cowboys fan that they're playing this well this year. I, I knew that they had talent, but I just kind of, I guess, relegated myself to the fact that they would always be an 8-8 eight and eight team. And, but watching them play this year and watching the way they've run the ball is completely different from any Cowboys team I've watched in the last 10 years. And it's been really an awesome uh, joy to watch them as a team because that's how they're playing right now as a team. They're utilizing their running game. They're playing old-school old football where – if you run the ball and you play good defense, it's play great defense, but you play good defense and your quarterback plays mistake free for the most part, you're going to have a chance to win every game. And that's how they've been playing this year. And it's not how they played really in the last five or six years with Tony Romo, a quarterback. So it's been awesome to watch. Well, you know, this defense was one of the worst in the NFL last year. Uh, they lose Hatcher, Demarcus Murray, and Sean Lee uh, goes out with injuries. And everyone thought that, so did I. I thought this was going to be, once again, a duplication of last year. But the defense has been re really impressive. Uh, when you look at the defense as a whole, who have really stood out to you? Well, I mean, and you know this too, Nick. When, when you're counted out as a, as a person, as a player, as a team, usually that's when you rise up to the best to be, to be more productive and you kind of want to prove people wrong. And that's, I think, I feel like that's what Dallas' defense has done. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still not completely sold on them 
as a as a Super Bowl type defense or even a really good defense yet. But they've been playing great in the in the scheme that Marinelli has put out for them, and I love that guys like Rolando McLean, who kind of just came off the scrap heap, and any team could have had him. He was sitting there in July, you know, in July, just kind of wondering if he was even going to play again. And Dallas picks him up, it gives him a chance, and now he's playing really, really well for them. So I like him a lot. I like some of the young guys that have stepped up and played better. And like I said, the scheme, J.J. Wilcox of safety, and Bruce Carter, linebacker as well. Barry Church has been there, you know, a few years and kind of always been considered as somewhat of a disappointment. And this year he's he's playing really well. And, again, I think it's a lot has to do with the scheme that Bob Marinelli has put together for them. He's got guys popping to the ball. You know, and they're not on the field that much, which is much different than certainly last year. When you're on the field as much as they were last year, um, you're going to get exposed, and, and they they got exposed badly last year. And this year, the offense has sort of turned this defense into you know a, an adequate to good defense. Well, you know what? I've been really impressed with the offensive line. Uh, Demarcus Murray, Demarco Murray, and the Dallas Cowboys are the leading rushers, rushing team in the NFL. And when you look at the fact you have Parnell, Frederick, Leary, and Smith, uh, you know pretty much clear out ways and just controlling the line of scrimmage for De- DeMarco uh, Murray. Uh, play that clip uh, so Jason can hear uh, Vit talk about DeMarco Murray in his own words. Ultimately what you're trying to do, and I think you know when you're able to do that, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense to kind of choose and, and, and really not be able to do too much stuff. So we've been able to do that this year, and really it's, uh, it's not about the stats, it's just about getting He's just outstanding. I mean, to be able to, people just don't realize just the mental you know, fortitude it takes to just consistently bring it every single week. And DeMarco is, is just playing at an incredible level right now, and I'm excited just to be a part of it. You know, when, when I think about the, those statements from Tony Romo talking about uh, DeMarco Murray, I go back, Jason, and look at how everyone is categorizing this league, saying that it is a passing league. You need uh, an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I mean, he's telling you right there, after suffering two consecutive back injuries, He's now handing the ball over to DeMarco Murray. Now, when you look at the league, whether it's, we're talking about passing league or runners, I mean, what do you think is the more important for this Dallas Cowboy team? Do we need to see Tony Romo throw the ball a little more, or they need to continue to stick with DeMarco Murray, and can he stay healthy from this point out during the season? When Dallas has had success in any of the last few years, it's always when they've had a more balanced offense and when Tony Romo has, quote-unquote, had to throw the ball or win the game for you. And Romo, I think, is a, I think Romo is a very, very good quarterback. I've been a Tony Romo fan for years. I always thought he got a, a sort of unfair criticism uh, directed at him because if they didn't have him during those eight and eight years, they probably would have been three and 13 or four and 12. That's how good I think he is. He just always made the mistake at the absolute worst time, and certainly the spotlight shines on the quarterback in Dallas. But I think the best success for Dallas is what they've been doing. I don't think they need to, to run the ball as much as they have been to still be successful. I certainly don't think Murray needs to carry the ball 30 times a game. I think if they spread out and give Joseph Randall a few more carries and give Lance Dunbar a few more carries and, and uh, even get those guys out in space a little bit and some short passing routes, I think Dallas can be can continue to be successful on offense that way. But I, I think it's when they've always ran into trouble is when they've either been down and had to throw and felt like they had to throw the ball, you know, on every play. I mean, last year, even when they had a 27-3 lead against Green Bay in the third quarter at home in Dallas in December, they ran the ball, I think, eight times and threw the ball 25 times. You're up 24 and you're still throwing 25 times. So I think the philosophy in the past has always been like, yeah, that's our best success is throwing the ball. And this year they've realized, and they have a very, very good athletic and young offensive line, they realize, well, let's run the ball here. Let's try to establish the run. Then let's kind of find our spots passing the ball in the middle, and then let's knock them dead at the end with the run game again. And they've really been successful. It's very much like the formula of the 90s when they were successful uh, with Aikman Emmett and Michael Irvin, is they ran the ball in the beginning, they established the pass off the run, and then they just knock teams out at the end with the run game. So speaking more on that, I mean, obviously they're at, you know, they're, they're setting the standard right now in the NFL. They dropped week one and then haven't lost a game since. 
do you think that they're going to be able to keep up this pace you know, if they do, as you're suggesting, and not give DeMarco Murray as many carries. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to cut down on his carries eventually. I mean, this is a guy who has had injury issues in the past. I mean, is that going to affect the way that they are able to win these games? I think a lot of times each game dictates itself. And, you know, you can go in and say we want to establish the run and give Murray as many carries as we can. But I think every game... Has sort of dictate it dictates where where you're going to go with the with the scheme of the offense, and I don't know if they run Murray this much the whole year. If he can keep it up, God bless him. I think it's great, but I'm not sure he can. I'm not sure many running backs can. So they're going to have to find a way to get others involved if they want to be, continue to be successful. Now, as far as the schedule goes, and this is my my optimistic side of being a Cowboy fan, I'm usually very pessimistic fan, they have a favorable schedule going into the bye. They have two more home games against Washington uh, Monday night and then a short week, but still home against Arizona, who's been tough. But at home, that's a game Dallas probably should win. And then they go to London and play, at Jackson, or play against Jacksonville, which, uh, again, on paper should be a win. So they could conceivably be 9-1 and one going into the bye. So and you're saying you're have, not worried you know, at all about games, Colt McCoy? That's really where I'm interested in seeing what this team can do because they've always had a, you know, a downfall or, or lack of success going into December, and Romo sort of turned into Romo, as a lot of the critics like to say. I'm really curious to see how they do down the stretch on the road. And even the two home games that they have after their buy are Philadelphia and Indianapolis. And then they have road games in New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Washington, all on a C team. So I'm really curious to see down the stretch, how they do. I think they can get enough wins to where if they lose a few in December, they're still a playoff team, which as a fan, I'm still completely surprised that they would be a, that they would be a playoff team, at least coming into the season. But I think, they, I think they can win 11 or 12 games if they continue to have a success. And another big thing is injuries. Can they keep the injuries at a minimum and any of their big key players, especially on the offensive line, keeping them healthy? If they can stay healthy, I think they can win 11 games, and I think they can challenge for the NFC East title. I don't know beyond that what they can do. A lot of people have talked about them as a Super Bowl favorite. It's October 23rd. Like, you can't talk about Super Bowl favorites in October, but, and I'm not completely sold on that at all. But I do think they can be a playoff team. And with a running game, uh, the way they have it, if they have that running game going in December and January, then I think that they have a shot. Well, there it is from Jason Romano, longtime Dallas Cowboy fan. Ever since he was five years old, 14 years working for ESPN and social media. Like I said, you can find him at Jason Romano on Twitter. Jason, thank you for joining the program. And I hope your boys in Big D can actually uh, make your dreams come true and, and put themselves further than the first round of the playoffs. My friend, I've never been to a Super Bowl game in all the years I've worked at ESPN. I hope that this year is the first time I go to one and it's my team playing in it. So we'll see. And I appreciate you guys having me on your show. It's been fun. All right. Thank you, Jason. Now, now, Jason, long-time long time fan of the Dallas Cowboys, and it seems like he's not totally sold on the team and their ability to get to the playoffs. It's great if they get there, if they are able to be the team in Arizona, but we still don't know that just yet. Yes, DeMarco Murray is the leading rusher in the NFL but as long as he's handing the ball off or he's give, giving the ball handed to him by Tony Romo, he's carrying, he has a record-setting game himself, seven consecutive 100-yard games. That's great for him, but his durability is going to be key for this Dallas Cowboys team because what we already know, and Jason alluded to it as well, the more passes Tony Romo attempts, and it brings back the hashtag Tony Romo effect. So, that's your Dallas, favorite hashtag, Nick. Favorite hashtag. So if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully Joseph Randall would, you know, decides not to go back and take any underwear and cologne from the stores and be that uh, second linchpin for the Dallas Cowboys. If not, it's going to be tough treading for the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. I know when you look at uh, the back half of their schedule, and I know he, uh, Jason was talking about uh, – What's going to, what the schedule is going to be like for them after the bye. But really quickly, before we go to the break, 
look at the fact of who they're playing on November 23rd. They're at New York. They got two. They have a game against Philly at home and then at Chicago. I think what's going to happen, we talk about the durability of DeMarco Murray. I think they have two Thursday games. I think that's going to be the tail of the tape for the Dallas Cowboys. And can DeMarco Murray run this team into the playoffs and hopefully into the Super Bowl? Coming up after the break, we'll finish up talking about the matchup between the San Diego Chargers and the Denver Broncos, a rival that transcends time, I, I believe. And it's going to be a tough one. Even though McCoho's Mario is not in fear of San Diego, I'll tell you after the break, other reasons why the fans in, Bron- in the Denver Broncos land should be concerned. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know what, Mario? The one thing that uh, I get excited about, and it sometimes is, 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 ki- is quite uh, comical, uh, whether a team wins or uh, they're not victorious, is listening to the post-game uh, interviews. Uh, I'm gonna, here's a little snippet of, of some post-game uh, interviews that took place this week after uh, past Sunday's games. Making the decision, it's about making the decision right. The worst feeling in professional sports is when you feel like you let your team down. And it's a very sick locker room right now. You want me to say it again? Three and four is unacceptable. To be getting booed at home when you're when you're walking off the field down two possessions is uh, unacceptable, especially when there's not a lot of noise being made on third down. Am I going to be going home and happy and smiling on my face? Me? No. You know, I told him, let's revel for 24 hours, man. Uh, I'm just like a fan watching the game. There's going to be a fan on our defenses out there. <laughs> Kurt, um... Cold, you don't have right. Everybody's calling the curse sometimes. <laughs> excuses. No excuses at all. If we have our football, we have a talented football team, and we got 53 players just like everybody else in this football league, and uh, we got to do our jobs. We have a job to do, and it's 11 guys be on the same page making plays. Well, you know, I always encourage people to send me uh, e- emails and correspondence. Uh, you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. You can find my co host at Mile High Mario. If you want to email me any questions or comments, you can email me at nickfergshow at gmail. And here's one of those uh, uh, emails I was talking about, Mario. Uh, Mark Sampson from Platteville, Wisconsin, longtime uh, Bears fan. Uh, 
asked this oh, question. Oh, he's a Bears fan in Wisconsin? That's his first problem. Hey, listen. Hey, I don't make this stuff up. He's Mark Sampson, Platteville, Wisconsin. He's a Bears fan. And he said, can the Bears overcome their poor performances at home and make the playoffs? Uh, while we were at break, we were discussing this. And the Bears are 0-3 at home. And, you know, there was word that Brandon Marshall, uh, my former teammate, went into the locker room uh, after the game and had some choice words for uh, kicker Robbie Gold. And some players in that locker room had to be escorted out. So, so when you look at Mark Tressman in his second year, a former CFL uh, head coach for the Montreal Alouettes, now coaching the Chicago Bears, when you look at this team, it just seems as though they had so much promise when you look at the players they have on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, Jay Cutler is known as a gunslinger and has a strong arm, but has a tendency to make mistakes. And sometimes, you know, you want to go out and put the hashtag Tony Romo effect for Jay Cutler. But when you look at this team, what do you see of the Chicago Bears? And, and can they overcome the Green Bay Packers? Because if you talk about playoffs, first of all, you have to win your division, but 0-3 at home. What's going on with the Bears? I mean, honestly, I don't know why they're not winning games at home. And, I mean, if, if we look back to week one even, it's not like they're losing to really good teams, Nick. I mean, they lost to the Bills in week one at home. That's not a good way to start your season. This is one of those teams, it's exactly what happened last season, man. They are a great team on paper. They have arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. They have one of the best multi-purpose backs in Matt Forte. They have an extremely good, probably top five, if not top seven, pass-catching tight end Martellus Bennett, but they still can't get it done. Why? Because Jay Culler is who we thought he was. I mean, there's a reason that he gets chastised by his own teammates. There's a reason that now Brian Urlacher is coming out and saying he's only elite according to his salary, not based on what he does on the field. People don't just say these things to say them, Nick. They carry a little bit of weight, especially if it's coming from Brian Urlacher. The team is stacked on paper, but when you have guys in the locker room, like I, I don't care about that documentary they did about Brandon Marshall where they said he's turning his life around. He is still an issue in the locker room, and that is very apparent from what we're seeing right now. The team, they're just they're out of sorts, and it all starts with Tressman, so I'm glad that you brought that up. This is a team that won 10 games and fired Lovey Smith who, in my opinion, was a very highly sought-after coach. I was shocked when it happened. And you mean to tell me that you're going to try and move from Lovey Smith to Mark Tressman, whose only success came in Canada? It just baffles my mind, Nick. But I think people need to get off of this kick that, oh, well, they're really good on paper, and it's going to translate onto the field. That's not what we're seeing. Again, I don't really have an answer as to why they're not winning at home. It's not like they're going to go 0-8 at home. They I mean, they will eventually win one or two or a few. But as far as the playoffs are concerned, the way that this Lions defense is playing, and once they get Calvin Johnson back and healthy and Reggie Bush healthy, and then you look at the Green Bay Packers, first off, the Packers are going to win that division running away, in my opinion. So they're going to have to get a wild card slot. Then you look at the other teams. Only one team can win between the Eagles and the Cowboys. One of those teams is going to get a wild card spot. And only one team can win uh, between the Cardinals, the Niners, and the Seahawks. And one of those teams is going to get a wild card spot. So this year, I'm sorry to say it, Bears fans, is not your year. You're not going to go to the playoffs. You're not going to win your division. You need to find a new head coach. And you need to find a quarterback who is in a head case. Year in and year out, we hear the same stuff. Oh, Jay Culler, he's going to be more mature. He's going to make that next step. I'll tell you what, buddy. We were saying that in Denver years ago, and he has not progressed, in my mind, whatsoever. Real talk. Real talk. Okay, here's another email. comes from, and get this, uh, Nate Clark Jr. He's a Browns fan, but he lives in Pittsburgh. Wow. Where where are you finding these people, Nick? That's their first problem. Hey, they send these emails to me, and I'm just telling you what they're sending You're in. You're just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. So Nate Clark, who's a Browns fan who lives in Pittsburgh, he wants to know, after a poor performance by Brian Hoyer, is it time for Mike Patton to insert Johnny Manziel into the fold? So I'll start first on this one. Uh, Nate Clark, listen closely. No, it's not, t- it's not time for Manziel. You stick with Brian Hoyer. I still think he has... Uh, a lot in the tank, 
And yeah, he didn't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, so what? Every dog has its day. He didn't perform well, but to stick Manziel in right now, to me, I still think that it kind of uh, takes away from the team chemistry offensively. And Johnny Manziel will have his day. Right now is, is not the right time. He needs to stand on the side sideline, hold the clipboard, now give Brian Hoyer two more games. If he comes out and he's not executing uh, and, and, the, and he's not moving the ball down the field and moving the chains, now you go back to the well. That's why you drafted Johnny Manziel in the first place. You don't want to put him in right now. There still is a possibility in that AFC North division that you might be able to make some, some noise late and maybe be able to get yourself in the playoff position. So to make a move right now to Johnny Manziel, I don't encourage that. What do you think, Mario? No, I think you're absolutely right. You nailed you nailed it. Uh, Johnny Manziel, like you said, he's going to have his day. He'll get an opportunity at some point. But today is not that day. I mean, it, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, Nick. You know that. And it doesn't matter that you came out and beat the tar out of a division rival Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that you have had a very long and arduous history with of not being able to beat them. So, yeah, it's very disconcerting that they lose to, you know, the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars and lose in the fashion that they did. But honestly, as a Browns fan, I don't think you can get too concerned. I mean, I even went out on Twitter and said the Browns have a very real chance last week to be six and two uh, by week by week nine, I believe it would be. And people are calling me crazy, and rightfully so, because look what they turned around and they did. They were who we thought they were, exactly what you and I were saying, Nick. So, no, it's not time for Manziel yet. You stick with Hoyer. He's had a fantastic season. He had, you know, obviously a bad game. Everyone's entitled to a bad game unless you're Peyton Manning, okay? So, if you're in Cleveland, just relax. You have two more fairly easy matchups coming up. You're going to regain your composure against the Raiders. I'm not going to say that you're a playoff team, but at this stage of your franchise, it's all about making progress, gaining momentum. You keep adding pieces where you need to, and in a couple years, your team is going to be a factor as long as they continue on this upward trajectory. But as far as Johnny Manziel, I don't see him in their future plans. He's going to make it with another team. More Thursday night uh, preview. Uh, let's look at the Denver Broncos and the San Diego Chargers offensive line because I think both teams have issues. Let's determine who, have, who has the bigger issue. When you look at the right tackle position, Chris Clark came in, looked like he was going to be a stopgap, looked like he was playing well, but then entered the New York Jets game. He gave up a couple of sacks. Then the Broncos insert Paul Cornick into that right tackle position. Now, you look, if you were to look at the San Diego Chargers, they have issues themselves. DJ Fluker, former first-round draft choice from Alabama, and King Dunlap. Last week, they faced Justin Houston and Tommy Ali, and both of those premier pass rushers. Now they face DeMarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller. That's going to be really tough for Phillip Rivers, but this is why I feel as though they need to get the run game going with Brandon Oliver, get him out on the edge, get him matched up with the linebackers, run a couple of those screens and wheel routes. I think if they were to do that, they'd be able to have success. The one thing San Francisco did not do, and I was surprised with the great running backs that they have, they abandoned their run game. But even with abandoning their the, the run game, to me, that took a lot away from Colin Kaepernick. We know Phillip Rivers is not a scrambler. Running the ball effectively and being a convert on third down, that is key for them. So when you look at Paul Cornick or Chris Clark or King Dunlap or DJ Fluker, who would you rather have protecting your quarterback? I mean, it's hard to say, Nick. I will say this. I talked to some of the players about the decision as to why – they decided to play Cornick instead of Clark. You know, a lot of the players like Clark thought he was doing a good job. Uh, I think that the like what he did last season got blown out of proportion because Manning gets rid of the ball so quickly. You know, he didn't really have to pass protect for that long, but then they went up against the Colts and then the Seahawks. And then when a team is able to generate pressure on a four-man rush, Chris Clark got a little bit exposed, you know, going up against Mathis, who now it turned out was cheating anyway. Um... I mean, in in this hypothetical scenario, I would rather have uh, Dunlap and Fluker, but you know that's really neither here nor there because the left tackle for the Broncos is Ryan Clady, who is among the league's best. So I think the the whole thing with Cornick was a little bit of an experiment. They wanted to see if they could get anything out of him. He had, he had a couple terrible plays that we saw 
But on the whole, I thought he looked solid. Again, you're not going to get exploited too much as a right tackle in this Denver Broncos offense if a team isn't generating a pass rush because Manning gets rid of the ball so quickly. So I think if they're smart, they will put Clark back in there, you know, just, just say, all right, it was, we were giving him a chance. It is what it is. I mean, when it gets to the point where the players don't even know why they're doing something like that, it raises some questions. So I was more concerned about it just from, you know, a personnel standpoint, not necessarily because, oh, Cornick has a chance to be better. But when you're not explaining to your players why some random guy is not getting a chance, they take it a little bit personally. Well, I don't know about taking it a little personally, but I know that with Corey Legion uh, out there for the San Diego Chargers, I think he is a threat to get in that backfield and disrupt things this weekend. That's why I'm a little fearful in, the, in, the, in this game. And more importantly, the Denver Broncos haven't been that great in the second half. They were great against the Jets. They were great against San Francisco. But we already know what the Jets are. We know San Francisco, they were deficient in the secondary. So I know Adam Gase is thinking maybe knowing that San Diego has a couple of guys injured from that second tier, that second level of their defense to the secondary, maybe they may be able to make some plays with Demarius Thomas on the outside. Uh, This weekend, if you're looking for something to do, two great movies. Uh, 23 Blast is a movie about a blind football player who comes back and plays for his team. It's based on a true story. It's in theaters tomorrow. Go check that out. Also, uh, Keanu Reeves, last time we saw him, it was in The Matrix. Everyone knows about that. A new movie out tomorrow, John Wick, former hitman, coming back to get some vengeance on someone who, uh, oddly enough, they killed his dog. So that should be an interesting movie. So if you're looking to do some things this weekend, those are two great movies to go out and see. Uh, Mario, great show as well. I'm well hey, real think- quick, Nick, before you yes. get out of here, the Marvel has leaked a trailer of The Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It makes me very upset that I have to wait all the way until May of next year before I can see that movie. Well, definitely. You heard from Mario. Go check that out. I'm definitely going to check that out after we wrap the show. I want to thank Bill Lasky for joining the program and ESPN's own Jason Romano, Dallas Cowboys. And let's see if those Cowboys can live up to that term. How about those Cowboys? Or will the Tony Romo fact derail that whole thing? This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Until next week, good day, good hunting, and be good to one another. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 